Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I watched countless TED Talks. I read several books and I actually invested in the Cornell certification program. And, and while this may seem basic, it was necessary because I had to gain an understanding of what people were talking about when it came to DEI, how they were talking about it, and then how they were applying it into their own day to day. So I felt that this was not a space that I could just jump in because I had passion. Welcome to the Business of Marketing, presented to you by SAP. I'm Toby Daniels, and I'm the Chief Innovation Officer at Adweek. On this week's episode, we are joined by Jonita Wilson, the Chief Diversity Officer at Discover. With more than 20 years of experience in HR, Jonita has always had a deep passion and understanding of the value of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. In 2019, she joined Discover Financial Services HR team with a director of diversity position, which led to her being named chief diversity officer last summer, overseeing all DE&I initiatives for the workforce of more than 17,000 employees. During our conversation, we discussed her HR career journey, what inspired the launch of Discover's diversity and inclusion task force, the company's top DE&I priorities for the year, and how she plans on strengthening and evolving the company culture. She also shared how other executives looking to push the boundaries with their DE&I initiatives can create meaningful change within their companies. It was a pleasure to speak to Jonita, and I'm excited for you to learn from a true expert in HR and DE&I. In addition to my conversation with Jonita and throughout season two of the podcast, we have been spotlighting a number of different startups who have participated in SAP.io's Foundries program. During this episode, you will hear from Eric Allen, who is the CEO of Linza, the leading ultrasonic proximity platform enabling secure and seamless data transmission via a secure and scalable software solution. 
Learn how they leverage technology to drive growth and business transformation and what they see are some of the biggest future obstacles that they will have to overcome. Thank you for listening. And now for my conversation with Jonita Wilson. Jonita, welcome. Thanks so much for joining. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you, Toby. Thanks for having me. All right, so to quickly set the stage for our listeners, uh, we're going to cover your career trajectory from the time when you were in HR all the way through to your current role as Chief Diversity Officer, and obviously the specific role in developing Discover's DEI strategy, including its new Diversity and Inclusion Task Force. We're going to touch on a whole range of different topics over the course of this conversation. There's like a ton for us to cover. So I'm super excited. So let's jump right in. So over the course of the last two decades of experience in HR, spanning companies, including Allstate, Mondelez, and Discover, of course, where you have, over the course of this time, continued to build a deep understanding of the value of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. So when you step back and and reflect on all of this experience that you've gathered over the years, talk about some of the standout lessons or or even the advice that you've received around leadership during that time. Sure. The way you you phrase that, when I think about over two decades, it doesn't feel like two decades of of hard work, to be honest with you. It's been fun. And when I think about uh, the advice, so so some advice that will always stick with me is is to take time to get to know your talent outside of the day-to-day work. We all bring different things into the office from our personal lives, even more because we're all working remotely, right, since 2020. So to really understand what makes each of us a whole person helps to create psychological safety and opens us up to be who we really are. And, and this should help drive greater, great, greater engagement. Throughout my career, I have had several standout lessons, but today I really reflect on an experience that I had with a business partner who was not the best at giving feedback. I mean, like any type of feedback, whether it was positive or developmental, you name it. And there were times where he would give me feedback that were full of microaggressions, full of micro inequities. And and I can tell you those interactions and experiences really left a a feeling of lack of engagement for me. And so then uh, finally one day, right? I I just decided to accept the feedback as a gift. Um, It wasn't like a a flip of the switch, obviously. It was a journey that I had to get to that point. But I realized had I not done that, then this journey would have been a lot harder for me because he was a critical business partner of mine. But I realized that although I did not appreciate the way the feedback was delivered, it it was a blessing that I was being made aware of any issues. And, And I did know that at that point, I had control to really make the change. And I do firmly believe that knowledge is power. And that is an experience that will always stay with me because I learned a lot about myself. I learned how to navigate uncomfortable situations. I learned more about taking accountability. I matured a whole lot more, that's for sure. And I learned to give myself some more grace and to be appreciative of feedback, even if the feedback was not glamorous. It's interesting, isn't it? We, we probably put more emphasis and, and time 
into how to give you know feedback constructively or with candor or with whatever but we don't put a lot of time or effort into um, developing the skills necessary to receive feedback as well and it's really interesting the way that you've approached that you, you also touched on something else that i think is, gonna be, is is just so interesting and in fact it comes up a lot in my conversations with c-suite leaders which is to do with boundaries and you just talked about something that i'd love to unpack a little bit which is that trying to establish and connect a connection with people outside of the day-to-day -day also requires you to step out of some of the more traditional boundaries that we have created for ourselves in regards to there being a, a division between kind of work and the rest of our lives. And of course, we, we're now living through a period where those boundaries have just been completely dismantled. Talk, talk a little bit more about how you think about boundaries and what they represent for you today. Yeah, so, and it's interesting because shifting to a, a truly remote experience and remote environment, people, we're essentially going into people's houses. We're working with people while they sit at home. So the, to your point, like the boundaries have been lifted and it took, and if you think about it, it took these technology companies a little bit, Zoom and so forth, a little while to be able to create situations where you can bl blur out your background a bit. And so right now, I think there are no boundaries that we're working with while people continue to work remote. And it's going to continue to be that way because a lot of companies have established, right, you can be the work remote more often and so forth. So I think that we just need to be more mindful then of how we're being respectful of people's space, we're being respectful of people's mental uh, health. And then we're also not being so pushing and requiring of people to show up on camera, for example, because there may be something that's going on that they just can't and, and don't feel comfortable exposing us to. So boundaries are down a, a whole lot more, but I think that then we as leaders need to be more respectful with how we navigate and help people feel psychologically safe knowing that those boundaries have shifted. And we, we're learning just so much, aren't yes. we? And just in terms of how we communicate, particularly through some of these newer mediums and, and technologies. Yes. I think Adam Grant is someone that is very supportive of this idea of turning our cameras off if we actually want to connect more or at a deeper level. Uh, he, he feels that the actual video component of some of these newer mediums is actually unhelpful, or at least it's not improving the quality of our communication. Obviously, we're learning a lot. And I can only imagine actually for someone like you in your role, but both with your experience in HR, and when you think about and talk about this idea of boundaries, and then obviously the work you're doing in, in DE&I, this last two years have just been, one imagines, just an extraordinary period for you as a leader. Can, can you talk about or reflect a little bit on, the, on that period for you, just from an, an individual uh, perspective in terms of how you've had to grow, develop, navigate through that time? Yeah, it's been a journey. I, I can tell you that for sure. And while I've wanted to like see things move a lot quicker, like we're all operating in this age of instant gratification and want to see change really quickly. I think about weight loss. One of the things that I had to learn over the, the past two years is really to step back and allow the journey to, to, to play itself out. And so there's a lot of factors that have come into play for me when I think about that journey for myself. And it was really digging deeper into being more curious about people, right? Understanding what are some things that other people are, are really working through and, and, and dealing with that could limit so, some of their growth and, and capability in this space. And then though those that were like just a little bit further down the path, how could we leverage those people to help 
bring along the rest. And so for me, it was really leaning in, in, into the curiosity over the past couple of years and really listening to people and understanding, really providing that opportunity to sit and say, hey, listen, I may not understand where you are. I may not understand what your journey looks like, but I'm willing to sit and listen and learn. So that, that's something that for me, I've really leaned into in the past couple of years. And I've challenged my team to do that as well. And one, one, one other point I want to make on this is I've made it a point to call people in, right? I, it, through all of this work and so forth, I don't want to get in the habit and I'm not in the habit of calling people out. So if someone says something that may peak your eyebrow or make you feel uncomfortable or whatever. I, I want to give those people like the benefit of the doubt. And, and I'll ask a question, but I'll call them into the conversation instead of making them feel embarrassed and calling them out. That, uh, I just think that's just such an important technique, but just something to apply, I think, to these situations, particularly, as you say, when the conversation or the content just is, is sensitive in nature. Let's keep the focus on, on you just for, for a little bit more. I just wanted to talk a little bit more about, about your career. Again, something that comes up a lot in these conversations when we, we talk to guests on, on the show, particularly when we talk about kind of career growth, is, is are, are people's experiences with mentorship over the years and the role that mentorship has played in shaping people's careers and also the ways in which it has you know just impacted their experience can you talk about the role of mentorship in your career and and, and how it's been important for you yes oh my gosh it's been seriously in, important for me and it's not just about mentorship but it's also about having those key stakeholders and those advocates that show up for me in spaces and in rooms that i don't even know i'm being talked about it, it's all of that and then also the coaches that i've had so they play a different role when you think about mentorship but I think that I've been fortunate enough in my career to have encountered some really good mentors, people who I feel like really nurtured me, really nurtured my journey, and also understood like where my opportunities were and where my strengths were, and then really honed in on those and helped challenge me in ways that I may not have known that I was being challenged, or I may have known that I was being challenged but help me to navigate that, those situations. But then also, I think that my, my mentors and even these uh, advocates that I talked about have pulled me into opportunities that I probably never would have been, even would have known existed. So different projects and so forth. And those are the types of things that I believe help to advance people, and especially people of color and women. Having those key stakeholders who are willing to say, I'm going to give these people, this person, this opportunity and let them come in and help them shine through it. And I think that's been my career experience. So let's go back to August of last year when you were named Discover's Chief Diversity Officer. Walk us through the transition that you had to make as you stepped into this role, particularly from your previous role as an HR director into a Chief Diversity Officer role. I'm just interested to, to learn about that kind of the transition you made, how you navigated through that transition, and then what, what was it that drew you to the opportunity in the first place? Yeah, so this is one of those scenarios where I say, be careful of what you ask for, <laughs> because I actually asked to, to assume the responsibility of the DNI team, DNI work at Discover back in April of 2019. And again, like my leaders who believed in me enough was like, yeah, we're definitely going to give you the opportunity. 
And, and I can say that I'm fortunate to have had some really rich career experiences that made my transition easier and helped prepare me for the chief diversity officer role. Prior to, to stepping into the CDO role full time, like you indicated, I wore a dual hat as an HR business partner. And back when I started working with the DNI team back in April of 2019, my time was divided. And at that point, I only had a team of two. So as you can imagine, trying to build a strategy for the enterprise at the same time, still being a nature business partner, which was not an easy job in itself, but then also having to build my own capabilities because I came, even though I came into this with several HR processes experience, experience in that space and, and several talent process experiences, I had to build my own DEI capabilities to match my passion for this work. And that's another thing I hear about. So a lot of people have a lot of passion. But what I had to quickly realize is that passion needed to quickly go to technical expertise. So to, to build my own capabilities, I really invested in my own learning journey. And I did things like I attended several webinars. I watched countless TED Talks. I read several books. I think my bookshelf has risen since I started the, this job. And I actually invested in the Cornell certification program. And, and while this may seem basic, it was necessary because I had to gain an understanding of what people were talking about when it came to DEI, how they were talking about it, and then how they were applying it into their own day-to-day. So I felt that this was not a space that I could just jump in because I had passion. So I had to work to really build cultural competence and my understanding of the DNI concepts. And then also, how does my own personal voice show up in these conversations? How does it show up in strategy building, execution, and coaching? Because as you can imagine, I'm pulled into different conversations with senior leaders and business partners to even help them build their capability as well. And then another key action that I took was to really connect with industry leaders and building my network of DNI professionals. And you will be surprised how many people are open to connecting and sharing their points of view. This is not one area where we say we want to go and hide and be in our own corner and design on our own. We are all really collaborative and wanting to get this work right. The community, one, one assumes, has grown substantially yep. at the same time as the role of the chief diversity officer has become obviously much more prevalent within the C-suite, which obviously is exactly the right next kind of evolutionary step in in moving towards a hopefully more inclusive and and equitable working environment. I want to unpack though a little bit of what you were talking about because you touched on the investment you made to educate yourself. And I'm sure that was a kind of real fire hose of a sort of situation, <laughs> yeah. particularly given the time in which you were, were doing it, right? As this, as again, as, as this subject, the topic has just risen in prominence and importance throughout all areas and aspects of business. So with that fire hose experience and as you were educating yourself, what did you learn? And then what was the sort of the interpretation of it? Because you mentioned that you, you needed to bring your own voice to this, which is clearly important. What did you learn? And then what was your interpretation of some of the things that you've learned that then you were able to apply to your actual role? Yeah, so I, I learned obviously a lot technically. So really 
understanding definitions, what DNI meant, and even when you started to unpack and, and, and dive deeper into understanding the difference between equity versus equality, really trying to get to justice. And one of the things about this work is it's very dynamic. Right. When you think about trying to really drive true inclusion and, and get to the point of true equality and justice, you have to think about all groups that can, that can be considered with this work. So the work is very dynamic. And that's one piece that I learned is even though I just learned this concept or this term last week, it could have a different meaning or there's an addition to the term or a new way of thinking it. And I think we're seeing that, too, in how a lot of organizations are labeling even their offices or their departments when it comes down to DNI. You're hearing more about inclusion and diversity. So inclusion first, you're seeing people adding belonging, right, and into the work and so forth. Equity, I think a lot of people are still trying to navigate this. So we've seen people add these new terms and these new ways of working. So that was one thing I learned. I needed to stay ready and I needed to stay as dynamic as the work, as the, the practice. But I, I think I learned something really big about myself too. And I learned that I, I needed to get out of my own way because imposter syndrome was really showing up. I can tell you that in, in some scenarios, especially when I had to enter into conversations where I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm still learning this but I have to go and coach this senior leader about some of the challenges that they're seeing, whether it's personal challenge or challenge with their team. So I needed to just step back for a second and get out of my own way and believe in myself and that from the, the knowledge that I had, that I was able to do the job and help others along because I was at a different point in my journey than some people who I had to engage. Let's take a break from my conversation with Jonita and hear from Eric Allen, the CEO of Linsa a former participant in SAP.io's Foundries program, as he discusses how Linsa is leveraging technology to drive growth and business transformation. Hello, I'm Eric Allen, uh, CEO of Listener. Listener was part of uh, SAP.io New York's cohort in 2020. So Listener is a proximity token platform that enables engagement between merchants and consumers, primarily through merchant wallets. We use Ultrasonic as a way to connect these applications and merchant service. But the benefit of Ultrasound is that sound travels. So delivery of these services become very flexible and contactless, which is of extreme importance today. The problem we solve is most consumers and merchants engagement, such as loyalty and other services actually happen at checkout. With our technology, we like to say we help merchants create a virtual check-in as consumers enter their establishment. We do this by leveraging ultrasonic beacons that facilitates communication between consumers and the physical store in which they are shopping. We help consumers check into stores via the merchant application. From there, merchants can deliver different forms of personalized experiences and services such as loyalty and et cetera to enhance the consumer merchant experience. We're a platform company, so we're always looking for partners and technology to improve our solutions. One example of growing a need was for age verification in certain shopping experiences. Due to different regulatory issues and requirements in each state and country, that have to do with alcohol purchases, age verification was a big initiative for us. Helping our merchants figure out how they can do age verification, whether it is over-the-counter medication that they're trying to sell or some form of alcoholic beverage was a problem that we had to solve in our business. 
So we went out, identified partners that can help service and integrate those capabilities via biometric, which ultimately provided and streamlined a, a great consumer experience for our merchants. Today, the payment economics haven't really moved at the pace of consumer behavior. The model has historically been based on card present, card not present transactions, and the future will probably look more like a person present experience. So to find more about Listener, you can go to our website, www.lisnr.com. Thank you. Thanks to Eric for introducing us to his business and the work that they have accomplished in partnership with SAP.io. You can learn more about Linsa by visiting www.lisnr.com. Interested in working with SAP.io? Check out the show notes for more information. And now back to my conversation with Jonita Wilson, who is the Chief Diversity Officer at Discover. That's just, it's so interesting, just going back to something you said about the passion that you could have brought to the opportunity, which you quickly had to then essentially turn into the skills necessary to be able to do the job. And in a way, we're all in a similar sort of position. If you're in leadership and you give a shit and you, this is an area that you're, that you care about and that you want to be able to impact in whatever role you have, it's also pretty intimidating given, as you say, the technical nature of it, um, a bit overwhelming just in terms of thinking about how to step into this space and begin that process of taking your desire to want to impact and change and turning it into the actual practical, you know, applications needed to be able to do the work. What, what advice do you have for people who are perhaps not in specific diversity roles, but are in leadership positions who have the power and influence to create change, but need to know really like how to start? Yeah, I always say, and, and my team hears me say it, Discover hears me say it, it really does take a village. And, and not one of us is off the hook for, for really doing the work and driving the change. And, and while there is not a written prescription on how to do this work, many insights and lessons learned typically span across all organizations and industries, right? We all bump up against similar issues, and it's, it's up to us to think about how we will take these lessons and apply them to our own unique journey. Some of the insights I would provide, like when I think about it on the company level, I would say start with data. Do, do a comprehensive diagnostic review that consists of doing a deep dive into your data. Understand what insights that you can get from quantitative and quanti qualitative data. So data is where you start. And at Discover, we dug into all aspects of information that we could to collect to tell, help us tell the story and shape the story and guide and lead and influence. And this approach really helped us to develop our strategic journey and execute on an intentional roadmap that connects the DNI strategy to our customers, our colleagues, our, our culture, and the communities. I would also say learn what systemic barriers exist in policies and processes, right? These policies and processes could be making it harder for diverse groups. And the practices that you think are neutral or equal really might not be. So get out of the need to deny the inequities that exist. Also understand that DNI is a business imperative. It's an enabler to business success. One of the most powerful actions that a company could do to promote DNI 
is to lead from the top. At Discover, our, our executive committee led the development of our company-wide DEI goals. It's really about taking the time to make sure that you have the right long-term enterprise-wide strategy. And then on, on, on the individual level, right? Because it, it's a journey in your, on your personal self as well. Take it upon yourself to build your own capability. What, what I talked about, I really dug in, obviously I had to dig into to, to be successful in my role, but I think we all need to dig in, build our own capability in this space and educate yourself. Read about other cultures that you're not familiar with. Just be naturally curious. Speak up and use your voice. Use it actively. Start or continue your journey to be actionable allies and advocates. Actionable allies and advocates. We don't want to be performative. We don't want to just talk about it. We actually need people and we want people to action and be strong allies and advocates in this work. And, and the higher that you are in an organization, men, especially white men, and, and those who identify with a majority group all have degrees of power and can really use that power to drive short and long-term change. And then lastly, I would suggest to use your mistakes to grow and really uh, adopt a humble attitude. Great advice. Let's talk about some of the work that you're doing at Discover. So in the current role, you obviously continue to play a, an instrumental role in outlining the goals for what is diverse representation and goals around expectations for executive accountability for DNI. And you've also overseen the company's diversity and inclusion task force, which I believe comprises of more than 30 volunteers. G give our listeners a little bit of context. Walk us through some of the impetus behind these initiatives and the diversity and inclusion task force specifically. Yeah, so this is an exciting part. I can tell you out, out of the work that happened all in 2020, it was wonderful watching our this talent really come together and help us do some quick work to, to driving change at Discover. While our DNI journey certainly didn't begin last summer, we knew that we needed to do more and accelerate and be more intentional in strengthening our strategic plan. The pandemic and, and the continued fight for racial justice really highlighted the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we knew it. And so at Discover, we understand, like I stated earlier, that DNI is a business imperative and is enabler to our success. And we firmly believe that. So many of our employees really felt a call to action and as a company, we want to ensure that we are holding ourselves accountable to having a workplace that truly embraces all dimensions of diversity, has fair and equitable and inclusive processes. So in June of 2020, BOLD, which is our Black Employee Resource Group, and they also are known as Black Organizational Leadership at Discover, that's what BOLD stands for, they hosted a company-wide crucial conversation which th this conversation really gave our senior leaders the opportunity to listen and learn. Our CEO, Roger Hochschild, and our EVP general counsel, Wanji Walcott, facilitated the conversation. This directly empowered our talent to safely share their lived experiences. And from that conversation, our CEO committed to standing up 
the DNI Task Force that I had the pleasure of co-leading with Wanji Walcott, our general counsel. The task force was comprised of, of 30 plus employees across the company. They really came together to dedicate their time on top of their regular jobs. So this was not their day job. They still had to deliver on their on the scope of their of the real job. And some key goals that we really focused on were to increase diverse group representation, make a strong external impact, and develop employees to be advocates for inclusion. And just to share with, with, your, with, with you all, some of the initiatives that we implemented from this group was we developed an executive pledge. And that pledge was really created for our executive committee to show their collective commitment and accountability to this work and really leading from the top. We deployed company-wide deliberate advocacy training. It was an on-demand online training. It was not required. It was not mandatory, but I'm, I'm proud to say that 98% uh, of our employees completed the online training. And in 2022, we're actually going to build on that training and add some more scenarios. We assembled a curated DNI toolkit. And this toolkit really helped to enable our leaders to take action to advance DNI within their own teams. And there were things in there such as like, how to read your data, how to assess your data so that you'll know where you need to really need to focus. How do you navigate hiring? How do you navigate recruiting? How do you navigate these candid conversations? And even how do you facilitate a candid conversation? Those are some of the things that went into this DNI toolkit. And then also in partnership with our talent acquisition team, we really developed new processes to create accountability in hiring. So we require diverse candidate slates, and then we also require diverse interview panels. So if we're bringing diverse candidates into the pipeline and sitting down with the hiring managers, we wanna make sure that we're also showing them that representation matters to us and that we wanna make sure that we're presenting the talent in our pipeline as well so that they can feel comfortable as they're navigating the hiring process. And then I'm excited to highlight two programs that my team and the rest of our Discover Village put together this year, which is really exciting. We established a, a sponsorship program, which is called Shine Bright. Shine Bright really specifically focuses on increasing exposure and fostering greater connections among our senior leadership and high potential Black and Hispanic Latinx talent. And then another program that we developed is called RISE. And RISE provides experiential learning and builds bench strength deeper within our feeder pool of diverse talent. So we wanted to make sure that we have programs to help develop talent that is lower rank that then we can say, hey, look, when we look at our pipeline, we have some strong internal talent that we can build on because we're developing that talent. So the task force allowed us to, to quickly reach across the company and take some fast action. And it, it has been fantastic seeing the way that everyone has stepped up and made a conscious effort as change agents fully supporting 
us in moving this needle and all of our employees have a part in helping us to achieve our strategic goals. And I'm happy to say that exactly one year later, so in June of 2021, we celebrated the sunset of the task force and was able to put all of this work into operation. So talk a little bit more about employee advocacy. I'm super interested because you touched on it, but can you share sort of any particular examples of how you have activated your employees and, and helped them become advocates for this work? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it starts with education. So we've definitely spent some time educating our, our workforce and we're, con- we're continuing that journey, right? Because education is in, in upskilling is not just a one and done type thing. It's an ongoing journey. But we found that it was important for us to, to educate our, our employees and really understanding their role in, in this work understanding the key terms. So when we talk about DEI, equality, justice, what do we mean by that? Helping them to understand what is a, a micro inequity? What is a micro aggression? How does bias show up? But when you notice these things, we need for you to speak up. We need for you to help advocate for those employees that are experiencing these negative experiences and help partner and drive the change that we need. So call people to task on being different, right? Behaving differently, because we want to make sure that inclusion is there and no one feels like they're left out or like they don't belong. So really that education journey was huge for us and it continues to be a priority for us in really bringing that talent along and creating advocates in our organization. So during uh, these conversations, we like to get to know our guests, particularly in terms of how they perceive themselves as leaders within their organization and also what it means to be a a modern and progressive leader in, in today's complex social, political, and economic landscape. And, and obviously, we've touched on this a little bit already, but you know, just the role of leadership has shifted fairly significantly, even in just the last couple of years. And the skills I think that you need today were, were probably not even you know, in the toolkit 10 years ago or so. So a question I always like to ask is, what's in your toolkit? And, and yeah. specifically, what skills have you had to learn over this past couple of years that you know has enabled you to navigate through this moment? Yeah, so the, the last 18 months has given me so many opportunities to grow and learn how to be a better leader. And uh, one area I've leaned into is being a stronger servant leader. I think it's important to be in service of others, show care, empathy, and encourage. We are all going through different personal and professional challenges. And I want people who I encounter to feel that I care about them beyond the work. Also being an inclusive leader who extends trust is truly collaborative in finding the unique qualities of individuals and really engages and inspires people to deliver results. Those are some of the things that I've really leaned into in my toolkit in the past 18 months and and really worked to develop those behaviors and challenge some, some of the traits, right? When you think about traits, your preferences, where you may tend to lean into when you're stressed or whatever, but then how does it show up in my behavior? So really working on, on making sure that I'm that strong, inclusive leader. And given the you know, career you've had and the incredible accomplishments that you've achieved over the past couple of decades, 
What are some of the ways that you also like to pay it forward? I love to volunteer and I've helped to build playgrounds to being an elected school board official. I still help my school, even though I've retired from the school board role recently, but I still help my school really thinking about how my, my local school, how to build equity within the school system and in making sure that no child, no student feels like they don't belong within the walls of the school. So I volunteer to do that. And I also make it a point to, to participate on diversity and CDO forums with other DNI professionals to share ideas. And then I, re I really love to, to, to mentor junior talent. We would love to have you part of our mentorship program. We, we run an executive mentorship program throughout the year, connecting C-suite leaders with people coming up uh, through the ranks in their careers. And really it's just in recognition of, of how important that work is. And one of the things we, I think, appreciate about these programs is how much the mentors get out of this experience as much as the mentees themselves. Yes. It's always very inspiring to, to hear both sides of the equation. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today, Jonita. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. We, we very much appreciate your insights and uh, wish you the very best for the rest of of the year. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Business of Marketing, brought to you by Adweek and presented in partnership with SAP. The Business of Marketing is produced by Al Manorino. The executive producer is Brian Letty. Support also provided by Erica Perry and Julian Gamboa. Please take a minute to subscribe and review our show. Your feedback means the world to us.